0: Ministries Canada. For the next half hour, your hearts will be filled with hope as you hear real-life stories from individuals that have been changed by the power of God. Enjoy the show.
1: Welcome to Refuge Freedom Stories. I'm your host, John I.T., and today my guest is Paul Zolman. He's an international best-selling author who experienced a life-changing transformation from anger to profoundly demonstrating the principles of true godly love. Paul, welcome to the show.
2: Thank you, Johnny. What a pleasure to be with you today. I'm looking forward to this.
1: So just in your brief intro there, we talk about a life-changing transformation from anger to expression of God's love. So, maybe you can start by telling us how that came to be and about your journey of faith and what prompted that revelation of God's love in your life.
2: Great question, Johnny. And thank you very much for that. I would say that there have been several changes along the way where God will move you and turn you a little bit, say, get back on the path a little bit, just like a shepherd would lead the sheep. He's leading us along the way. About 15 years ago, I was dating, I was single. What had happened is that there were several complications about the marriage. One complication was my own fault in that I was being annoyed at what other people did. Other people, meaning my wife or my children within the family, and I'd be annoyed, 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 stacking these annoyances until I had a flash of anger. Many times that flash, you couldn't see it coming. I couldn't see it coming. It might have been just a little simple straw that broke that camel's back, but I had these flashes of anger, and it was really pronounced after I got divorced and was dating again and became serious with another person. I'm number 10 of 11. And mm-hmm. in that position in the family, you always have to have big brother or big sister approval. I have an older sister and a younger sister. All the rest are boys. So I always went to my big brother for big brother approval. So I take this woman to his house, lives 300 miles away from me. First thing that happened when we went in there, my sister-in-law pulls her aside and says, the only emotion that the Zolman family learned growing up was anger. At first I denied. I said, oh, oh, then it made me mad. <laughs> I thought, huh, I just kind of verified exactly what she said. And so from that point, I realized that I need to make some changes. And I, I remembered that the Lord, when he was at the Last Supper, he said to the disciples, one of you is going to betray me. And each one of the disciples said, Lord, is it I? Lord, is it I? Lord, is it I? And as I repeat those four words in my own life, Lord, is it I? What can I do to make this relationship better? I started reading The Color Code, and then I started reading The Five Love Languages. I read The Five Love Languages about four or five times. I went through the book, but the book didn't go through me. I didn't retain all the principles of The Love Languages. In fact, after reading it four or five times, if someone offered me a million dollars, Johnny, to recite exactly what The Five Love Languages is, I'm sure I'd fail miserably. I might get three. I might get four. I'm sure I couldn't do all five love languages because, like I said, it really didn't resonate that deeply with me. I like the principles because Dr. Chapman is a reverend, and he also said that these principles reconcile you to the life of Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ practiced these principles in his life. So I thought that's really a great direction to go because I wanted to be more like our Savior Jesus Christ as well. Coming from a background that I came from, of an angry background, that abusiveness, there's all sorts of abuse. There was physical abuse, verbal abuse, there was just sexual abuse, all kinds of abuse within the home. I felt like I was trained in all that, and that's what I was supposed to go out in the world to do. Well, we get our training from our parents. Maybe that's what they knew. That's what they were trained to do as well. And I thought, this is a perfect time to break that cycle. The time that my sister in law said that was a perfect time for me to change that perception of the Zolman family. So, by reading these books and trying to get out of that angry culture over to the other side to where people would think of me as a loving person, I had a long way to go. You know, I just didn't know what to do. But I thought that maybe I could make this a game. As dysfunctional as our family was, Johnny, growing up, games brought us together. And those Mm. games bringing us together were more fun times that the family had. There were still the put-downs, there were still the aggressive competition, all those things that you expect in that angry culture, but it really brought our family together. So I contacted Dr. Chapman and asked him, are you licensing those little pictures, the little icons, for each one of the love languages? And after a couple weeks, his attorney wrote back and said, no, we're not doing that at this time. So I had a copyright intellectual property attorney in my neighborhood that was a friend, and I told him the idea. He said this. The theory, like the love language theory, is not copyrightable. Application is. So they weren't doing it as a game. They weren't going to let me use their icons. From that advice of the attorney, I was able to create my own icons and make it into a game. And I made it into a cube. So here's the cube. Uh, and for your listeners that are listening on, I've got a cube here that's about one inch by one inch. And on that cube, I've got pictures of the love languages. The one I'm holding up right now is like, you know, two people holding hands. That would represent the love language of touch. The next one is two hands put together to form a heart. Very common these days that people, when they want to send a quiet mm-hmm. heart or a little love symbol to someone, they'll put the hands together and make a heart. This heart is just a little bit different. It has a conversation fly out. So those would be the words from the heart, symbolizing the love language of words, sending notes or words. The next one is a hand holding an hourglass. You'll notice that each one of these icons has a hand. It's as if it's giving it away. That's on purpose because that's really what we have control over, giving love away. We really can't bid love to come our way. We can't tell people to love us, but we can give it away and we can respond when it comes our way. The hourglass represents time, just spending that time with that significant other or anybody. The next one is a server, looks like holding a platter. That would represent service. And then the last one would be the hand holding the gift. Five love languages, six sides on the cube. The last side I created has a hand holding a question mark. That represents surprise me. So just two instructions, Johnny. You roll the cube every day, whatever it lands on. That's the love language you practice giving away all day that day. So I'm single when I'm creating this, Johnny, saying, Dr. Chapman, who in the heck am I supposed to love? His whole book is about romantic love, and I don't have a significant other. Well, I guess I'll just have to love everybody. It was absolutely perfect for me. I needed that consistency in my life to love everyone, just like Jesus loved everyone, and find the good in people. What I found myself doing previously, Johnny, was looking at the negative parts of people, looking at their faults, looking at their weaknesses, just like the media trains us to do, like my parents trained me to do, be critical of other people. Look over the fence and say, What are they doing? Why are they doing it that way? Why can't they do it right? And making that judgment call. What a relief it was when I realized I don't have to judge that person. Jesus is their judge. They can make their own choices. I realized that part of that angry culture is there are no boundaries. I put up those boundaries and say, That's really not my business. I got to stay in my lane. What can I do? What do I have control over? And I came all back again, send out love. I have control over that and respond when it comes my way.
1: It makes me think of the scripture, given it shall be given unto you. And that applies to a world of different things within our faith and the way we should live our life. And even your image that you have there of the hand holding the egg timer. I've said it before in the past. How do you spell love? T-I-M-E. Oh, good. And there's a lot of truth in that. You know, and whether it's with family or people that you care about or even people you meet on the street. You're right. Love is the basis for all of that.
2: Absolutely. What I realized, Johnny, after that stacking motion that I had to get to that burst of anger, stacking those annoyances, I realized that practicing these love languages is also a stacking effect, but you're stacking kindness on top of kindness, on top Mm. of kindness, on top of kindness. What it does for you is help you get stair step to the higher laws of love that Jesus practiced as well. The laws of charity, the laws of compassion law of forgiveness or mercy or empathy or sympathy. And for actually a couple situation actually would get you to the laws of intimacy. These are all higher laws of love. You can imagine someone saying insult after insult after insult after insult, then asking for forgiveness, and then you expect that forgiveness. It really doesn't work that way. You can ask for the forgiveness, but back it up with kindness upon kindness upon kindness upon kindness. Instead of keep doing the thing that we were doing before, that got you to the point that you had to ask for forgiveness in that way. We all sin. We all sin every single day. But let's just make it kindness that we're giving out every single day to everybody.
1: So we're, we're talking about love and we're talking about the love of Jesus. Tell me how at the point in your life where you realized that you needed Jesus as your Savior and how he revealed his love to you in that moment just to confirm that that was the right path that you were heading down. Like, how did he make that real to you? Was it a scripture that you read that became like an eye-opening word to you? Or was it something that you heard? Or how, how did Jesus relate his love to you at the very first point where you turned your life to him?
2: It's really a great question, Johnny. And no one's really ever asked that question. So I appreciate these kind of questions that really kind of put a different mix on things. For me, my belief is that everyone has that light of Christ in them. Everyone already has Jesus or the light of, of the Spirit. They've already got that within them to a certain extent. What was the worst part for me was losing that, was losing that. When I became angry, I realized I'm not following the Spirit. I don't have Jesus with me at this moment when I had those anger, angry spouts. And when I was having that flash of anger, it was like the spirit withdrew. And for me, that was just as powerful as if I had a vision or if I had somebody appear to me. It was just as powerful having that spirit withdraw from me when I became angry, and I realized I was in the wrong for being angry, that I really needed to send forth loving reprimand if that was necessary, but send forth love in the way I was trying to correct my children. Instead of sending anger out, I should have been sending love. And the withdrawal of the Spirit was as profound as anything that I've ever had in my life, not being able to have that with me to guide and direct me. And then it takes a while for that come back to get it back to the extent that you had it previous to that incident. And it just trying to get that nurturing, that loving uh, effect, the way that Jesus would have done that, the way that Jesus would have handled that situation, I was far from it. I was not trained in that way. So it was really more of a whoops type situation that I should not have gone that far with that anger and that I had to backtrack. That's so why I'm so passionate right now about this, Johnny. I really feel like I have a lot to make up a lot of love to send out that it didn't send out before. I have a lot of looking at the good part of people that instead of looking at the 10 to 20% of people that have faults or weaknesses, or just the bad parts of people, the misgivings that people have, instead of focusing on that minority portion of their personality, Focus on the 80 to 90% that's really good about that person. It was an about face for me. Once I turned up that 180 degrees and started looking the other way, looking for things that were good about that person, my life changed dramatically. And it did for everybody around me. Always watching for what's right about that person instead of what's wrong for that person.
1: God says that, you know, he examines our hearts and he wants to give us every opportunity to turn our lives over to him. And if we're in a place, and I I can speak to myself as much as anybody else, if we're in a place where someone's annoying us or doing something that gets under our skin, if you want to look at it that way, it's a challenge sometimes to look at them through the eyes of God with love. And it's a a very valid point that you make that we can't let those barriers stand in the way of us truly expressing God's love for everyone around us. That's what he wants us to do. He wants us to live out our lives in a way that the love of God shines through us like light in the darkness. And people are drawn to that. You know, years ago, a preacher said, you know, preach the gospel. And when all else fails, use words.
2: Absolutely. I love that. I love that quote. Thank you for bringing that up. Sir Francis of Agassi yeah. that, that, that said that. Yeah, absolutely love that quote. And you know, our actions really, really mean a lot. And I think that that's something that we really need to do. We've got to change that. We absolutely have to change how we look at other people. Watch for the good in other people. It's going to be peace to them. It's going to be peace to yourself and focus on refining what's bad in our, in ourselves. Well, the
1: media is all about self-servicing, we know that, and about lifting up one person above another, and and so on and so on. It's very anti-Christian in a lot of ways. Jesus says that we should humble ourselves, Mm -hmm. you know, we shouldn't rush up to the front and look at me and let me do this, and says you're better to take a seat at the back and get called up, and to go up to the front and get sent back down, right? Like our life with Christ isn't one of self-promotion, it's actually one of death, It's one where we need to die to ourselves and we need to lay down our own plans and our own ideas and things that we want to do with our life because our life isn't our own. Our life belongs to God because he's the one that saved us from our sin. And what less could we do then give our whole life to him and let him orchestrate and lead us in one step at a time. He says he'll give us the next step. He won't give us the whole picture because we might not be able to conceive it or understand it or or even scare with it. Yeah, it might scare us or deal with it, you know. We just have to go one step at a time, but we always have to focus on letting Jesus be the center of all that we are. Because without that, we're nothing.
2: I agree with that, Johnny. And 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 this, this really is the, the paradigm shift that I had for myself. I realized that there is no way for me to bid love to come my way. Even if I told someone how to love me, what love language that I like, that it really becomes almost duty bound for that person. You don't want to get into that pity party that gives you that whiny voice that says, well, I told you how to love me. How come you're not doing it? You don't want to ever get to that point in your life, because what, what this is all about, as you're rolling the, the cube, for me, this was the behavior, this was the substitute behavior that I needed to get me away from anger. Once I started focusing on what's right about people, I had zero time to be annoyed. I had zero time to be judging another person, zero time to look at their fault. And thank goodness, because as I'm looking at other people's faults, guess what? That's a boomerang coming right back at me. They're looking at my faults now. Who wants that? Who would choose that? The second thing about it was that no longer is it about me and and having that little whiny pity party wondering why I'm not feeling loved. It's all about them and it's about making their day a better day. So as I roll the cube, I'm watching for opportunities that day to give love in that particular genre, that way of love, that type of love. And as I'm doing that, there'll be certain people that will light up for that love style. They'll want that type of love. You just make a mental note for that person. That's what they like. When you light somebody up and make their day, Johnny, what that does for you is actually gives you great satisfaction that you made their day. You get paid right away for that with that satisfaction. But you're not sending the love out with an idea that you're going to get something back. But you're trusting the laws that were in place before you or I were ever born. The law of harvest, for one example, You plant a seed, it'll grow. It'll feed generations after that because those seeds will grow and they'll, or those plants will grow and create seed and they'll, they'll just keep going for generations. Whatever you send out will come back after many days. There's a scripture about that as well. Do that. Send it out without any expectation. It'll ever come back, but trust those laws that it'll come back someday. Don't worry about it. The whole idea of our existence is to help people have a better day. No longer is it about you or about me, it's about them, about helping them have a better day. When we do that with that type of attitude, we uh, change the whole landscape of what people think love is. What Dr. Chapman identified in his book is that most people will give away their primary love language or their secondary love language in hopes that'll come back. This is not a reality show. This is not let's make a deal. It's not a transaction love is non-transactional. Think of the life of Jesus. Did he give love away, hoping that he'd get it back? Never, ever, never did. And so that's the attitude. That's the style we need to do it. Not think about ourselves, but think about them making their day better and know that we're going to get the satisfaction that we helped another on their way. That's payment enough. It reminds me of
1: Jesus when he talked about the law, you know, and Jesus said that he came to fulfill the law because there's no way that we can do that on our own without his atonement for our sin. And he said, you know, what are the greatest commandments of the Lord, your God, with all your heart and your soul and your mind and love your neighbor as yourself. And essentially, that's what you're saying is walking in those two commandments and fulfill God's law by doing so. Absolutely. So if people want to find out more about these love languages and this uh, this game that you have, where would they go?
2: Great question, Johnny. They, they can go to my website. It's called rolloflove.com, R-O-L-E of love.com. I did a play on words. You R-O-L-L, the cube or the dice mm-hmm. outside of you. R-O-L-E is what changes you within. By sending love out, it actually changes you within. R-O-L-E of love.com is where you can find, I've got the dice, I've got a book, also got a journal for people that want to keep track of what opportunities they saw to love in that way, it becomes a love journal. I would have loved to have a love journal from my mother or my grandmother, my grandfather, Johnny. Instead, I got a journal about the weather, the weather 60 hmm. years ago. Who cares what the weather was like 60 years ago? I would have loved to have, what did they love? What was there to love in their day? And how did they express that?
1: Okay. So let me ask you one final question. Sure. What's the one thing you would tell people about God?
2: I would definitely tell them that he is a very loving individual. He is really the author of love. He's the one that gives us opportunity to express love in every every way possible. In his way, puts his loving arms around us every single day through individuals that surround us, through other individuals. You may feel the warmth of his love within you as you read the scriptures. You might feel it as you say a prayer. You might feel it when you do those good things, but whatever you do, find a way to feel God's love. You'll know you're on the right track. You'll know you're doing the right thing at the right time in the right place. Amen to that.
1: Well, thanks so much for being on the show. It's been a pleasure talking to you, and God bless you and all you do for Him.
2: Thank you, Johnny. It's been a pleasure to be with you today.
0: inside me it you stronger every day don't have to push it no no I seem to find it some way just like a child whose dreams have come alive I get excited cause I found out where love resides